serve the Lord with gladness and come before His presence with singing. That's what we're going to do today. Hallelujah. We're going to come before His presence with singing and just adore the Lord today. Don't you love Jesus today? Hallelujah. I'm never going to forget what the Lord's done for me. Come on, somebody. I'm never going to forget what He has done for me. Hallelujah. But I'm going to continue to lift up His name above all. Hallelujah. The earth. And I'm going to declare Him. Hallelujah. That He is Lord. He is Savior. He is Deliverer. He is Healer. He is everything that you have need of this morning. Let's press into His presence. Let's experience Him afresh today together. Father, we love You, Lord. We thank Thank you, Lord, for your presence. We thank you for this day, God, that you have made and the opportunity, Lord, for us to come together to honor you, Lord God, today with our song. And Lord, as we lift our worship to you, Lord, let your glory fall. Let your fire fall fresh, Lord God, in this place today. Oh, mighty God, stir us, Lord. Touch us today. Feel us today. Minister today, we pray. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. 
love you. We exalt you. We praise you. We honor you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for how good you've been, for all that you've done. We thank you that you hold us in the palm of your hand, safe and secure, that you keep us from falling, that you're a shield round about us, that regardless of what we have to go through or life throws at us, we know we're secure in you. We know that you're with us, watching over us, defending us, being our shepherd and being our king. Lord Jesus, we love you. We honor and praise you, for you alone are worthy. And we pray, O oh Lord, that you'd speak to our hearts this morning. Help us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our King. Help us to grow in knowing you better and in loving you more. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, good morning. It's so good to see everybody out this morning. Um, children, you are dismissed to Children's Church. And adults, if you have your Bibles, if you would go to Mark, chapter number 6. Mark, chapter number 6. I want to talk about the power of understanding. The power of understanding. Now, in Mark's gospel, Jesus just got done feeding the 5,000. Produced a miracle of provision. And then he sent his disciples across the lake to meet him on the other side. He went to pray. Now, if you would look at Mark, the sixth chapter, starting with verse 47. Starting with verse 47. The Bible says, when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on the land. Jesus was alone praying. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them walking on the lake, and he was about to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him, and they were all terrified. Immediately, Jesus, well, he spoke to them and said, Take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed. Verse 52, there's our thought. For they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hard. One more time. For they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hard. Now I'll talk about the power of understanding. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Help us to understand it. Help us to personally receive it and practically apply it. And Lord, help us to be a people of understanding who learn from the lessons of the past and are able to apply those lessons to our present. In Jesus' name and all God's people said. The power of understanding. To understand means to comprehend something. To to grasp the meaning of it. To perceive it. To apprehend it. To know. The disciples were unable to overcome in their present trial because they had not learned from their previous trial. Today affects tomorrow. Yesterday has shaped today. And the Lord desires of us, the Lord desires of his children, that we be children of light, that we be children of wisdom and understanding, 
that we be teachable and always learning and always growing and always improving as opposed to regressing and repeating the same mistakes and, you know, one step forward, two steps backwards. It is God's will for his people that we be an advancing people, a growing people, a maturing people, a people that get to know him better day and day as we walk with him. You know, the scripture has much to say about understanding. In fact, you know, in Proverbs 2, it it tells us that if you and I will apply our hearts to getting understanding, if we'll cry out for it, if we'll look for it like we would look for silver, something valuable, if we'll stay and study and pray and give ourselves the proper effort for understanding, the Bible says then God will grant us his wisdom. And God will make known to us his secrets. And we can walk with this God. In fact, God calls his people to a serious um, a diligence in our pursuit of understanding. Understanding of God and his will and his ways and his word. Uh, of his dealings. Wednesday nights we're talking about the disciplines and the dealings of God. And learning from them and growing from them. God wants us to learn and understand about the great salvation we have about our privileges and our possessions and even our responsibilities as sons and daughters of the living God. Let's look at Proverbs 2 and and verses 2 through 5. Go ahead, note takers, write this down. It says, turn your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. You've got to apply yourself if you're going to grow in the things of God. Amen? You've got to apply yourself. And then it says, um, and if you call out for insight, And cry aloud for understanding. Study and pray. Study and pray. Amen. Search the scriptures. Cry out for God for wisdom and understanding. If we'll do that, then the Bible says if you look for it as you would silver, something you value. Search for it as hidden treasure, something that matters to you. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and you'll find the knowledge of God. It's a beautiful thing that God's not hiding from his people. Amen. It's a beautiful thing that God actually invites us and says, you know what? If you seek me, I'll let you find me. And if you search for me to know me and to know my will and my ways, you know what? I'll reveal myself to you so you don't have to walk in darkness and stub your toe. You can have the light of life and live that victorious Christian life. Can you say amen to that? You know, Proverbs 4 puts it this way to us. It says, you know, regardless of the cost, get understanding. Though it costs, get it. It's worth it. If it costs a person their time, their sacrifice, their effort, their diligence, their priorities. Listen, it's worth it. It's worth it. Things that are worthwhile have a cost to them. Can you say amen? amen? The rewards and the dividends that you'll receive if you get to know this great God. You get to understand and walk in his will and his ways. The dividends are worth it. They'll be worth it to you in this life and in the life to come. They'll be worth it for your family and generations after you to know this great God, to know this great God. Proverbs 4, 5 through 7. Let's look at that together. Proverbs 4, 5 and 7. Because again, though it costs you. You know, some of you showed up earlier this morning and you went to Sunday school. You know what? You were paying and pursuing wisdom. 
Many of you have done that more years than I've been alive. And you look at where you began and see where you are now and see how you've grown in the grace and the knowledge of God, His will and His ways. But it didn't come cheap. You made an effort, didn't you? You pursued it. Many of you through the years, you have developed a devotional time. In the mornings, you have your Bible and there may be a devotional book. And you've been doing that for years and years. You made an investment. You paid a price. You said, I'll make a sacrifice and I'm going to pursue this. I want to know God better. I want to know this Bible better. I want to walk closer with Jesus. And you've made the effort and God's reward your effort. And you look today and see how far you come. You look at yourself today and realize, you know, I wasn't even raised in anything. But look, I know God now. I know the Bible now. I walk in victory now. Proverbs says, get, 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 get it. Get wisdom. He's urging the people, get understanding. There's a price to pay for ignorance. I said, there's a price to pay for ignorance. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words. Don't swerve from them. Once you get them, live them. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will she'll protect you. Isn't that wonderful? Love her. Honor the wisdom of God. Cherish, esteem the wisdom of God. And she'll watch over you. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. It might cost you to change your priorities. It might cost you some time and effort. But it's worth it in this life and in the life to come. Can you say amen? You know, the ancient prophet Hosea, one time, he had to address the people of God. The people of God that had lost their way. The people of God that had wandered into darkness and they wondered why. And he says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. He says, the people of God were perishing in that day and age. Not not for the knowledge of the trivial, not for the box scores, not for the facts and figures of things that don't matter, but for that personal knowledge of their God and His ways. And in that context, the priests got the blunt of the blame because they weren't teaching the people of God. They were not showing them what the word and the law says so they could live in the victory and walk faithfully with this God. Now, God desires of his people that we are to know him personally and to know and understand his ways intimately and walk in them. The Apostle Paul prayed in Philippians 3, Oh, that I might know him. I want to know this Jesus personally, intimately, and practically. I want to know him. It was Peter that encouraged the church, 2 Peter 3, and in a time of false doctrines, and in a time where there was so much confusion in the age, he says, but church, church, you, you, grow in the grace and in the knowledge of your Lord and Savior. Get to know him better. Get to understand his word and live it with your life. I'll say it again. Knowing Christ is a very personal thing. It's a very powerful thing. And it's a very practical thing. Can you say amen? Knowing Christ, it's a very personal thing. you got to come to Christ personally. You've got to come and know him personally. Grandma can't do that for you. Your wife can't do that for you. But knowing him is a personal relationship but it doesn't stop there. If you know him, something takes place in your heart and in your mind there is a change. Knowing him is a powerful experience for he makes us new creatures. His blood washes away our sins. His spirit gives us a new birth. 
And then as we begin to live it, knowing Christ is a very practical thing. We live different. We walk different. We talk different. We're not the same because we've met him and we know him. Now in our text, the failure to learn the past miracle didn't help them in the present moment. When you forget the past victories, you tend to repeat the past mistakes. In our story, the disciples' failure to understand caused them to fail the test. Again, remembering past victories and lessons helps us to respond properly to the present trial or the present challenge. You know, sometimes you look at someone and say, will they ever learn? Amen. But if we'll learn from the past, seeing the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God, and maybe the things we missed, but he taught us so we don't have to make the mistake again. If we'll learn from the past, we can take on the present in a different manner and a different victory. This morning, time will only permit us to touch on three areas that are absolutely necessary if we want to live out our Christian experience in a victorious way. We need to understand the person and the power of Jesus Christ. You see, in our story, the disciples had failed to see the sovereign Lord of the universe at work. He just took five loaves and two fish, and he fed over 5,000 men. So why marvel that he could walk on the water and control the winds and the waves? They experienced the miracle of the loaves and the fish, but they didn't learn from it. They had an experience, but they didn't have an education. We must understand personally and practically the person and the power of Jesus Christ. Not just mental facts, and certainly not just someone else's story. He wants you to have your own story. Young person, he wants you to have your own story. He wants you to have your own testimony of walking with him and seeing his power and witnessing his faithfulness in your life. Not just mental facts, but a genuine reality of knowing him in a way that will change the way we walk, affect our talk, that our thoughts, our very lives. This friend, if it hadn't changed you, you didn't get it. Remember a dear old man of God, Brother, uh, brother Elliot. Brother Elliot, he taught at Southeastern for a lot of years. Older gentleman, just a man of God. You just get with him at a prayer meeting or something. He was something. And he knew God put him on a college campus. And he knew God made it fun to be young. Sometimes old people forget that. God made it fun to be young. Amen. Sometimes we wonder, why would you waste all your strength on them? I could use some of it now. Amen. But that's another story. But, you know, he understood that. He understood young people. They're, they're passionate. They're exuberant. They got energy. They got life. And when they get on fire for Jesus, well, come on. There's going to be some exuberance. My Lord, I, I like to see a little more exuberance. But anyhow, the exuberance. So he understood that. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't try to quench that. But he's a man of God. A man of years of maturity. So I always remember he'd say to the students, listen now, I don't care how high you jump, as long as you walk straight when you come down. You see, if it doesn't affect your walk and your talk and your practical existence, you didn't get it. You might have had an encounter, you didn't get a transformation. You might have had an experience, but it didn't make you change. It hadn't been real and genuine. We need to understand the person of Jesus Christ. Who he really is, beyond historical suggestion or religious traditions or even the fables of men. 
Who is this Jesus, the one that we love and the one that we follow and the one that we serve? Who is this Jesus that we sing to and we sing about, that we put our trust in all the time? I'll tell you something, friend. Listen, he's more than just a religious teacher or a leader. He's more than an old miracle worker or philosopher. He is the living, reigning Son of God. He is God in human flesh. He is the one that died and rose again and lives forevermore. And to you and I that know Jesus and love Jesus, friend, he is our Savior and he's our shepherd. He's our Lord. Lord. He's our dearest friend and he's our wonderful counselor. He's our healer and he's our helper. He's our comforter. He is our song in the night. Who is this Jesus that we love and we praise? He is the one that provides our needs. He is the one that protects our lives. He is the one that empowers our efforts and gives us the strength and grace to live this life and overcome every challenge that comes our way. Who is he? He is the one that bears our burden. He is the one that orders our steps. He is the one that escorts us through every storm and trial of life. Child of God, if you love Jesus, you never walk alone. You might go through the fire, but you won't go through it alone. You might go through the storms of life, but you'll never go through them alone. He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. The person of Jesus Christ, he is a wonderful Savior. He is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He's the one you can depend on. He's the one you can put your trust in. He'll never fail you. He'll never forsake you. He'll walk with you. He'll talk with you. He'll hold you in the hollow of his hand. He is a great God. Can you say amen? Oh my. The Bible says he is a husband to the widow and a father to the orphan. He is the fairest of ten thousands. The lily of the valley. And he is the bright and morning star. Who is he? He's our very present help in time of trouble. He is our peace that passes understanding. He is our place of refuge and safety amid the storms of life. He is the one we run to. He is the one we trust in. He is the one we commit our cares to and put our complete confidence in. Who is this Jesus, this wonderful Savior that we shout about and sing about, that we weep about? that we praise and that we honor, that we give our allegiance to. Who is this Jesus that we love and adore so much? He is the conqueror of death, hell, and the grave. He is the acceptable sacrifice for our sins. He is the resurrection and the life for our souls. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Can you say amen? Oh, we love this Jesus. The power of understanding, oh, that you might know him personally that he might not just be grandma's God, or he might not just be some story they tell at church, but someone you walk with and you talk with every moment of every day. The power of understanding. I want you to know and understand this morning that this Jesus loves you. Child of God, if you're a Christian, I want you to know he loves you with an everlasting and an unshakable love. If you're a believer, I want you to remember that nothing can separate you from the great love that Jesus has for you. Not trials, not tribulations, not battles, not burdens, not fiery trials, not storming. There is nothing that can keep you or separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. In fact, that love will give you a strength to endure. That love will give you a hope to keep going. That love will assure you, you're not alone. You're going to make it. You're not alone. God's going to bring you through. The love of God is a wonderful thing. The 
love of God is a powerful thing. The love of God belongs to you that believe. Can you say amen? Understand this great love. Don't ever doubt or deny this great love. He's with you no matter what you face. He's with you no matter what the world says. And for those of you that are here, and maybe you're not a believer, maybe you have not received Christ, I want you to know this Jesus loves you so much that he died on a cross for your sins. I want you to know this Jesus, the Son of God, God in human flesh, he loves you so much. Then he looked beyond your faults and he saw your needs. He went to the cross and did for you what you could never do for yourself. He paid the price for your sins. He died that you could have forgiveness. He died that you could be made right with the holy God. He died that if you'll receive him, you can make heaven your home and have the assurance of salvation. Oh, what a God we serve. May we be, imitate the prayer of the apostle, and pray, oh God, that we might know you, the person of Jesus Christ, and we might continue to know you, Lord, more and more, closer and closer, day by day, God's people said. To live a victorious Christian life, this walk of faith demands that we know and understand the person of Jesus Christ, but also that we know and understand the power of Jesus Christ. This is more than a philosophy. This is more than a golden rule or rule of good or bad. This is a powerful relationship with God. There's nothing too hard for the Lord Jesus. Had the disciples really grasped that and understood that, if they'd understood better what they had seen and what they had witnessed, I mean, what strength is imparted to us? What encouragement we receive when we begin to understand the great power of Jesus Christ, the one that's reigning, the one that's ruling, the one that has all power and authority in heaven and earth bestowed to him. Oh, friend, listen, there is no sin he cannot cleanse. There is no addiction he cannot break. There is no sickness he cannot heal. There is no life he cannot mend. There is no life or marriage he cannot restore and make brand new. Friend, listen, this is the power of God that has changed us and this is the power of his spirit that dwells within us and enables us to live the life he's called us to live. Jesus said, all power and authority in heaven and earth belongs to me. Sometimes we act as if he died and didn't raise again. Sometimes we act as if he's just a list of do's and don'ts. I want you to know this Jesus has power. He's got power to heal your brokenness. He's got power to break that chain that tries to keep you depressed and discouraged. He's got power to minister and make you a brand new man or a brand new woman. He's a wonderful Savior and He is mighty to save. The power of the risen Christ in us that believe. He said, you'll receive power. He said, all power in heaven and earth belongs to me. And then he went on to say, but I'm going to share some of my power with you. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Paul explained to us in Romans, he said, it's the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that dwells within the life of the believer. I want you to know you've got the power of God in you so you can live this life. You can get up if you've been knocked down. You can trust God even when it seems hard to trust God. You can live for God even when 
no one else wants to live for God. But you're not doing it by your willpower. You're not doing it in your own strength. But the one that has all power says, I put my power in you that you can follow me and live for me and represent me. And whatever comes your way, you're not lacking for power. If you've got his spirit in you, you've got all you need to fight the good fight of faith, to finish the race and to keep this faith. Oh, my. The person of Jesus Christ, who is he? Do you know him personally? Do you know his will and his ways? Do you study your Bible? Got to get in that book. He gave us a book. You don't know him because, well, I, I think. No, don't worry about you think. You don't think too good. You better get and see what the Bible says. Amen. Isn't that right? What's that Bible? Learn that. And get under some teachers. Sometimes young Christians, you think too much of yourselves. You need to get under someone that's anointed to teach so you can learn. Find a good Sunday school class. We got wonderful teachers. Amen. Oh, we got people ordained. I mean, we got them. They can teach you that book so you can get under and learn. Terrible thing to be around for 10 years and get about six months of learning in. You know what I mean? But oh, if you'll apply yourself and you'll take advantage of what God offers, you can grow in this grace. You can understand these things. You can walk in wisdom. Hallelujah. The person of Christ. Then the power of Christ. When I understand the power of Christ, when I understand how great, how mighty, how wonderful and marvelous my Savior is, and when I begin to understand and believe that he's placed that power within me to help me live, it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth within me. It, it makes a difference in how I walk and how I witness. It makes a difference in how I pray and how I believe and how I'm. It makes a difference in my courage and in my confidence. The power of Christ. It is no secret what God can do. For we have a written record of what he's done and he hasn't changed. Again, I, it's not a secret what Christ can do. For we have a written record of what he's done, and he hasn't changed. He calmed the storm, and friend, he'll calm your storm. Somebody that's struggling with an anxious heart this morning, someone that's dealing with a troubled soul, peace, be still. He still speaks peace to the storms of life. He raised the dead when he walked among men. And he showed us that the resurrection, it's not just today, it's a person, the person of Jesus Christ. And friend, he can resurrect your situation. He can resurrect your marriage. He can resurrect your ministry. He can resurrect your mind. He can take away that torment. He can drive out the lingering frustration and attack. In our story, we saw that he fed the multitudes with just a little bit of fish and a little bit of loaf. And friend, he'll provide for you. Jesus cares for you. The Lord is your shepherd. You don't have to want. You can trust him. You can depend on him. You don't got to compromise and lie and cheat and steal like the world does. You've got a shepherd who's committed to take care of you. You don't got to give in and do things you know are wrong because you're fearful or, or, or you're worried. You've got a heavenly father that knows what you have need of. He knows the hair on your head or the lack thereof. He knows your need. He knows your situation. And he's able to meet that need. He's able to bring you through. And he's able to teach you along the way the power of Christ oh our God's an awesome God 
Let's not act like he died and never rose again. Amen? Let's believe him. Let's trust him. Let's stand on his word. Let's practice his principles. I want someone to understand this morning the power of understanding. I want you to understand the great power of your Jesus. I want you to remember and be completely confident that he is able to bring you through whatever, no matter. That he's able to carry that burden. He's able to bring you through the storm. He's able to heal that area of brokenness that seems like it'll never go away. He is able for defeat is not your destiny. For you serve a God that is mighty to save and mighty to heal and mighty to speak peace into your heart and into your mind. I want you to understand he's an able God and he's a great God. He's greater than the bruises. He's greater than the burdens. He's greater than the enemy's threats. He's greater than the deadline you're facing. He's greater than the past mistakes that say you're going to repeat me. Oh no devil. I'm not going to repeat that mistake. I'm going to learn my lesson and I'm going to do things different the next time. I'm going to trust God and believe God and walk in the ways of God. Next time it won't be a defeat. It's going to be a glorious victory. It's going to be a wonderful testimony. I'm learning. I'm walking. I'm not in darkness. I'm in the light. He's able and he's greater and because of his mighty power, his timing is perfect. You might be going through a trial that seems long and it's weary and it's draining, but you keep trusting and you keep believing and you keep marching. He is working. He's in control. And at just the right time, he's going to break through for you. The devil says, give in. The devil says, give up. The devil says, run back. But oh, child of God, I want to remind you this great Jesus, this wonderful Jesus that has all power, who is able, who is greater. He's a God of precise timing. He's watching over you. He's monitoring you and at just the right time if you keep trusting and you keep believing, he's going to break through. He's going to show himself strong and you will give him praise. Oh my. They failed because they didn't have understanding. We do things at times and you just shake your head. Will they ever learn? God says, I want you to be a learning people, a growing people. I want you to learn the book. I want you to learn from the experiences of life. Don't just go through an experience and then just try to forget it. Say, Lord, are there some lessons you wanted me to learn through that? Lord, are there things I could have done differently when I went through that? The Holy Spirit... Please bring to my remembrance these lessons. It might be eight years later going through a similar thing. And as I seek the mind of God, I'm tempted to respond the way I was taught to respond, the way I've been conditioned to respond. But this time, if I seek the Lord and I remember the lesson, I can get a different result. I can get a victory, not a tragedy. Can you say amen? Let's go back a moment. I like to stress the power of Christ. He's powerful, he's mighty. But he puts that power within us to enable you and I to live this life, to go through the things we have to go through in a way that honors God. Oh, what a thought, what a thought. When you got saved, friend, you got something. You possess something as a child of God. 
The power of God's Spirit. The assurance of God's good promises. They're yours to believe, to receive, to stand on. The faithfulness of God's person. You can trust Him. You can believe Him. Even when you can't understand what He's doing, you can still trust that He's good and He's faithful. And if you'll stand firm, He'll bring you through. Sometimes we look for things we already possess as believers. We don't realize what we have, so we don't use what we have. We don't know what we got, so we don't use what we have. I remember a story, and I, I got to think it's, I think it was Tony Evans. He had an important speaking engagement. Couldn't find his notes. He said, I went everywhere. I went back home, every room, went back to the office, had the staff check every uh, copy of room check everywhere. He goes, I went to the car. I retraced my steps, you know, like a little, <laughs> and I tried. Uh, couldn't find it. Finally, time was getting short, so I had to grab my keys, grab my Bible, and off I went. I'm praying my heart out as I'm driving. Lord, help me to remember. I had some good thoughts. Help me to remember them. Couldn't remember all too much, but I remembered enough. I remembered my text. So I finally got there, went through the singing, introduced me up. Oh, Lord, I need some help. I said, oh, I can remember my, my text. Opened up my text, and guess what? There were my notes. <laughs> Hey, I'm frantic, looking for something I already have. Many Christians don't know what they have. So they search here, and they look there, and they stress out there. But if you knew what belonged to you as a child of God, you just go to that book and say, it's right in here. I need peace. You got peace. I need joy. You got joy. I need wisdom. You got wisdom. It's there. It's in the book. It's part of this great salvation. You got it. Let us recognize it, and let us respond to it. Let us realize it, and let us exercise it. Can you say amen I know faith bothers you some a lot of times you've been some have been in the church too long and you've suffered so many defeats it's wounded your faith I can tell by talking to you talk about healing they give you 18 reasons why God don't heal my Lord, have mercy. You've got to guard your heart from the defeats of the past. For some of you, it's crippled your ability to believe God in the present. I left the notes. When we truly believe, there's a difference in how we act. There's a difference in how we feel. difference in how we sleep. Isn't that right? Isn't that true? Hallelujah. I mean, let's say you two just got a bill, $10,000 bill coming out of nowhere. Oh, Jesus. Now, what she knows, I mean, she got half a million in the bank, so she's not worried about anything. She said, well, you know, I guess we'll cut back on one vacation this next year, but you're going paycheck to paycheck. What you don't know is someone's already put that money in. You don't know that, though. You don't know that. But you just go take it by step. You say, oh, boy, I guess I... Can't, can't go to Macy's so much this year and you know you just hold it back but now you all struggle call the prayer lines call the you don't know someone put it in there the old boy's got a secret account amen he's got it right there and you never have to worry about nothing but, but faith is able to say Lord you got it covered Lord you got it covered 
Lord, you said you're my shepherd, I shall not want. You'll supply all my needs. Lord, I'm bringing this to you. You know I'm not a sinner. You know I'm not backslidden. You know I haven't done anything I need to repent of. You know what I'm saying. You know, you can stop the blessing by living wrong. Isn't that right? Come out to Wednesday night if you don't know that. We'll get you. And, um, but, but the faith, faith believes. And it affects the way we walk and we talk and we respond and we live. And God's people said, power of understanding the power of understanding sometimes you see a young Christian come up to you and they're stressed out and they're freaked out and what's the problem XYZ and you just look and say oh that's a simple one and you just quote a simple scripture say give me your hands pray a prayer of agreement alright it's done just be faithful and watch it come that's all that's easy go ahead go back to bed go mow your yard amen I mean, go watch Matlock, whatever you do. You know what I mean? Go do your thing. Faith's a wonderful thing. Faith is knowing what you have, believing what you got, and living accordingly. The person, the power of Jesus Christ. And then we just simply, the principles. How about that? We've got to understand its principles. Isn't that right? Isn't that true? Friends, we we say this a lot on Wednesday nights. We do not, as human beings, we do not excel in advance by ignoring natural laws and science, do we? But we learn about them and, in a sense, master them or learn to flow with them. We didn't deny aerodynamics. We learned about it so we could fly. We, We don't deny the law of gravity. That's why we're smart enough. Those that are crazy enough to get on roofs they get up there and they, they have some kind of safety mechanism because they know there's a law. No matter, you can believe it or not, but there's a law. If you get on that roof and step off, guess where you're going? You better believe it. Someone says, I don't believe in that. You don't have to believe in it. The law is the law. Well, the Bible has certain laws, principles of God's kingdom. Given it shall be given unto you. Seeking you shall find. Knocking that door will be open. Isn't that right? Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Oh, Lord. See, it's in that book. You've got to learn to walk by the principles. Now, here we have, what was it? What was it about the loaves and the fish that teach us about his ways? And this is just one little segment, so we, we will just summarize it. What is it that they missed? What is it that we can learn about the loaves and the fish? It's more than just, hey, Jesus can do everything. That's good. That's good to know. And that brings comfort to our soul. But what was it specifically about that miracle that you and I can learn so we can apply the principles. Amen? I mean, you know, I never was the smartest tack, and, you know, especially when it comes to mechanical things. And so I'd have a buddy that would come over in the early days, brilliant young engineers my age, back in those days we were young, and um, something would go wrong, and he'd come and fix it, and he was a bachelor, so he loved the meal, Christina, make him some big ziti, and he said, I'll fix anything. He'd come over, and he'd fix it, but he'd be under there doing something. He said, remember, Joe, it always runs to the point of least resistance. It'll fall. And he'd get, I said, you know what? That's, those are in the Bible, those principles. But you learn the principles of the natural rule and kingdom. And you learn them so you can apply them. And it affects the way you live because you know these principles. There are certain principles, whatever job you're in. There are certain principles, and you know that. You learn that in your your freshman year, right? These are the principles. They're like elementary. 
to you because that's your field. But you know them. And so you know how to respond to when things come up, but you know this is going to happen. If I know the Bible principles, I can act on them and I know what's going to happen. Or if I disregard these principles, I know what's going to happen. Try not to forgive and see what happens. Amen? Try not to seek first the kingdom and see what happens. What were some things about this miracle, the loaves and the fish, that principles of Christ, power of understanding, what are some things God wants you and I to understand so we can walk more effectively and have a greater measure of victory in our Christian experience? Number one, how about this? Jesus is always in control. Isn't that a comfort? Isn't that a relief? He's sovereign. He's omnipotent. He's all-knowing. He knows the end from the beginning. Remember, uh, the disciples send the crowd away. We don't have enough money. We, we don't have enough food. Remember, they're overwhelmed by it. And the Bible says in John, John 6, when John tells this story, he puts this little thought in there. And Jesus already knew what he was going to do. Isn't that wonderful? You see, sometimes he asks us just to test us. But trust me, he is always in control. You can have a bad report when you get home today. Stop. Lord, you are in control. Lord, this is frightening in the natural, but I know you weren't surprised by it. And Jesus, you're good, you're faithful, and you are in control. Remember this. The compassionate Christ is the in-control Christ. The whole miracle began with his compassion. They normally do. He saw the crowd like sheep without a shepherd. Remember that? And his heart went out. They said, we better feed them. They'll stray. They're hurting. They'll never get back. Compassionate Christ. The disciples said, well, we can't feed them. We're going to break the bank for that group. Let them go home. Let them go find their own food. Amen. We brought ours. And Jesus said, no, you feed them. He was in control. He was actually using that to test them, to display his glory, and to test and train his disciples. So number one, I want you to never forget, here's the principle of the kingdom. He's always in control. No matter what you face, tomorrow you might get the worst report you've ever heard. Jesus is in control. Make sure you're right with him. Make sure you're walking in obedience to him and rest in that. Lord, you're in control. You're in control. Can you say amen? But now listen, he's in control, but he, number two, he desires our participation. He's Jesus. He spoke the worlds into order. I mean, you know, he could just speak. And boom, they're a KFC in front of everybody. 5,000, here we go. I mean, the buns, the little, what do, you call those? what do you like, Joseph? Corn on the cob, a little corn on the cobs. He could, boom, Jesus could have done that, amen? Well, why did he choose to do this way? He's teaching us something. See, sometimes, call the prayer line. Prayer, prayer. Well, hang on. That's okay. But now, what does he want you to do? What is your role in the miracle? What is your role in the victory? He's always in control, yet, and this is how he operates. This is what people need to learn. If we don't know how he operates, we're always, we don't understand, it's going to run downhill. We don't understand some basic principles of mechanics or plumbing or electricity. We don't understand these basic things that are always going to frustrate what we're trying to do. Let's understand he desires your participation. This is how his kingdom operates. It works by faith. Faith is an action word. He looks for a response from us. Listen, many of you are here today and you've grown so much in the last 10 or 15 years. How did you do that? You participated with God. 
You did your part to study. You did your part to be faithful to God's house. You, you studied. You learned. You went to Sunday school. You did your part. You participated. You contributed to your own miracle. you got to contribute to your miracle. It's not just laying it before God and then waiting him like a bellhop or something. It's it, We give it to God, but then we have to realize God is asking us to do something, to believe something, to act in some way where we contribute and participate. The disciple says, send them away. Jesus said, you feed them. Man, they were not on the same sheet of music. He said, you have something to do. Us. With these little resources. Don't look at your resources. Look at Jesus. You must contribute to your growth, to your miracle, to your answer. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. Yet he demands. He desires our participation and our obedience. This is how the Almighty interacts with men. I have to ask myself, am I doing my part to see my desired end? I want this. What am I doing to get that? I'm believing for that. Well, what does God want me to do to my part for that? I've told the story before. bears repeating I had a dear lady, she was with the Lord now, she was on a board I was at back home, and she told me a beautiful story one time. She said, Pastor, I had one daughter that was just really off the rails. And I, you know, she's running crazy, doing drugs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. And I felt so bad, I felt guilty. Well, maybe it was my fault, me and her husband and her father had divorced, and I tried to just buy her things. I thought, maybe if I could buy her back. Maybe it's, you know, th- you know. And finally, the Lord spoke to me one day and said, Mary, stop trying to buy her love and just praise me. Lord, Mary, stop trying. She said, I had a few days off, so I took those days off. And she said, it wasn't easy. And I just started putting around that house, little dusting, you know, just trying to praise the Lord. I said, Lord, I want to thank you. You're going to bring my daughter back. She'd been away for a couple of years now. I barely see her maybe every few months, and usually she's a mess. Lord, I, I want to thank you. Lord, I want to thank you. She goes, it was hard. I was weeping the first couple of days. I got a little bit of victory the second day. Got a little bit more that third day. And I just said, enough. I just praised him. I said, Lord, if I never see her again, I'm going to praise you. And she said, Pastor, it, it, within... I hadn't seen her in three months. Opened the door. And there's my little girl. Say, Mama, will you take me home? I'm so sorry for what I've done. I'm so sorry for how I disappointed you and I rebelled against God. You, you see, God could have just spoke a word and brought her back. But God wanted participation from his child. This is how God works. We don't get this. We don't get this. We just want to put our order in. and you know, put, No, no, no. We lay a request and then we got to wait. God might have something for us to do. He might say, you feed him. He might say, give what you got to me. Here she was, gone for all that time. But when Mama praised in obedience to God, God brought her back, gave her a miracle. Sometimes we've got to stop and say, what am I doing to contribute to the answer? What am I, how am I exercising my faith to see the desired result? Most of you all remember, I mean, not most of you all, some of you might remember the old football coach, Lou Holtz. Remember old Lou? He used to coach many teams. Coach Notre Dame, he's most famous for that. And he, he was a funny kind of guy. And he had a team one time, I think maybe it was Arkansas, and um, their, their defense was struggling. 
And so he was at a press conference, and at the press conference he said, he, he goes, I want to describe my team's commitment this way. We're a team that is totally committed to defense. Then he paused. He says, well, I'm not quite sure if our defense is totally committed to defense, but the rest of our team is totally committed to defense. And, you know, sometimes something's missing. Make sure it isn't our participation. It's not the missing ingredient to our blessing. All right? Can you say amen? One more. One more. He's always in control. He desires our participation. You know what I've told people before? People that have more problems than you can, you know, you'd like to be around them just because you'd leave feeling better. Amen? You listen to their mess, you'd walk away and say, oh man, thank you Lord, I'm living pretty good. Home life is real good, amen. All right, I'm on your good side, Lord, amen. And, and some had more problems, you couldn't get, Solomon couldn't give them counsel, they're just too much. But I said to some, you know what, I'll tell you what, you don't got to answer all those problems, you got to do one thing. One thing. Can you show up faithfully on Sunday mornings? Can you just do that one, can, two hours? Can you, I'm telling you, by the Spirit. If you can give God two hours a week, he'll begin to unravel every one of those problems. Can you believe it? Usually they don't. Not willing to participate and be, contribute to their own deliverance. Amen? That's why they rarely get it. Because even if they got it, they'd squander it and go back to it. Number one, he's always in control. Number two, he desires our participation. But number three, don't ever forget He'll only ask for what you can give. God is never unreasonable. He'll just ask you for what you can do. Now, we have excuses, but he'll just ask for what we can do. We can all be faithful, can't we? We can all seek first the kingdom, can't we? Think about it. He won't ask you for what you don't have or what you're incapable of doing. He won't ask you to give him something you can't give. But often... He will ask in a way that will stretch our obedience to enlarge in our faith, to test our sincerity, to test our willingness. He'll do that, though. That's true. Amen. He'll do that. When the disciples obeyed and gave him what he asked for, it released the flow of all the blessing they needed and then some, and baskets full, and then some, and then some. You know, we can think of a number of stories in the Bible that illustrate this. Two of them come to mind. Two ladies, two ladies come to mind. I think about the woman at the well in John 4. He just asked for a drink of water. If she just gives him a drink, she'll get all the water she ever needs or ever desires or ever can handle. Amen? And then there's that woman in 1 Kings with Elijah. He says, just, just give me your meal. Give me your last biscuit. Amen? That's all. Just, just give me what you have. And you'll get everything you ever need to outlast this famine and beyond. You see, God's teaching them this. It's like this. The, the key was the, the, the lady's willingness to give what God asked for released his great blessing into their lives. Their response to his request released everything they would ever need. The God who owns everything has a couple ladies who really don't have anything for something, knowing that they just give him what he wants, they'll never lack for what they need. And this is a principle with God 
there's something about a God connection that'll blow your mind. There's something about learning how to obey God and do what God calls you to do that'll tap in and connect you to the flow of glory and that river never runs dry. There's a principle in learning. First thing, when times get tough, don't stop obeying God. Don't stop doing the things you know God desires of you. The enemy's trying to get you to turn off the flow of blessing. It's says as we stay connected, a God connection is a powerful thing in the lives of his people. Oh, the principles of Christ. He's always in control. The compassionate Christ is the in-control Christ. Be encouraged by that. But he desires our participation. It might just be putting him first in obeying the simple word that he speaks to our heart. It might be something a little more drastic, like step out and praise me, even though things look horrible. But he wants your participation if you'll just do what he asks. And remember, he'll never ask you for what you can't do. He won't ask you for what you don't have. Isn't that right? And so when he asks you, it, it might test your will. It might stretch your faith. But whatever he asks you for, realize he's trying to get you in a position of receiving his blessing. Jesus didn't need that drink. He could have got his own drink. But he knew if she'd give him a drink, he could give her a drink. And her drink would be living water, which she'd been searching for through all those husbands and all those relationships. He's trying to get tap into me. He's trying to say, get connected with me. Learn to connect with me. My flow never runs dry. That widow's getting ready to die. She's going to bury her son, make their last meal. That, that prophet could have done anything, got his own meal. But the word of the Lord said, give God your last bit. And if you do that, that barrel back home, it'll never, never, never stop providing as long as the famine is in the land. God is trying to get her to believe if you'll connect with this God, if you'll participate with this God, you'll have a God connection in your life. And that thing is not hindered by circumstances or situations or the economies of men. When you get connected with Jesus, the yoke is easy and the burden is light and you'll find rest for your soul. Hallelujah. That's it. God bless us. Hallelujah. The power of understanding. They failed one day because they didn't understand. I look back and say, Lord, I could have done better. And that test there, if I would have remembered what happened two years earlier. You know, Lord, I probably could have responded a little quicker. Could have got out of that jam quicker, Lord. Had I remembered the lesson you taught me. Let's grow in the power of our understanding of the person, the power, and the principles of Christ. As we open up our altar, it's very simple this morning. Is there a disconnect somewhere in your life? If you're here today and you're not saved, I invite you to come and receive Christ. Come and give your heart to Christ. He loves you and he died for you. And he's willing to receive you and forgive you if you'll come. Or maybe you're here today and you've backslid. You knew God at one time. You know you're not living like you're supposed to be living. And the Spirit is speaking to you. And it's time to make a fresh start and a new beginning and a fresh altar of dedication to God. Maybe you're here today and there is a disconnect. God's been asking something of you. And you've been ignoring him. You've been making excuses about him. You see, listen, God deals with us all differently. 
There's common things in the Bible, but you know, God might ask something of him. He'll never ask of me and vice versa. Amen? You know, one time Peter got mad about that. He didn't like what Jesus was telling him. Imagine that. He's like, the rat. we're all made out of the same junk, aren't we? Remember that? Peter found out he was going to hang upside down and he was going to have to suffer for the gospel. And like the rat, what about him? What about him? Give me something bad about him so I feel better. And you know what Jesus said? He said, Peter, what is it to you? You follow me. He said, Peter, what's it to you? Don't worry about how I'm dealing with someone else's life. You make sure you're obeying me in your life. Amen? He might ask this of one, not of the other. He might require this. So as we search our hearts, am I contributing to my miracle? Am I participating with the Lord to see the answer I've been crying out for? Amen? So if you need to respond to that, we're going to respond to the altar. And if you're here today and you just need a touch from God, the power of Jesus Christ is here. He's willing to touch you. He's willing to fill you afresh. He's willing to minister grace to your heart and mind. Stand with me, please. Let's pray our prayer and open the altar. Oh, God, we love you. Help us to know you better, Lord. Help us to know you better, Lord. Help us to know you better. We pray, Father, we want to thank you this morning for the great salvation you've given us through your Son. Father, we want to thank you and ask you, Lord, help us to walk in this salvation. Help us to grow and mature in our Christian experience. Help us to know you better, Lord. Praying that prayer of Paul. And Heavenly Father, right now we pray, if there's something in us that's hindering our growth, hindering our relationship with you, hindering our advancement in you, Father, please make it clear to us and give us the strength to respond to what you're saying to us. Father, I pray for those that are here today and just need a touch from heaven. Lord Jesus, release the working of your mighty power as we praise you and we pray one for another. Oh, Jesus, let your mighty power flow at this altar. Let it comfort hearts. Let it mend lives. Let it refresh. Let it revive. Let it bring healing. And Lord, speak to us personally and clearly that we might get things in order, that we might get with a divine alignment to receive your best and enter into your victory. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, let's worship the Lord. If you need prayer, you need to pray. Now's your time. Come, let's believe God. Let's get things right.